Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Hello, how are you doing? I'm Craig Parkinson. You are listening to the Two Shot Podcast. Sit yourself down, pop the kettle on. We're going to have a nice old chat. Who's it with this week? I'm going to tell you right now. How the devil are you? Yes, it's Thursday and we are back. And it's February. Oh, thank the Lord and the baby Jesus that January is out of the way. It's such a miserable month. I know I'm, you know, I know everybody thinks the same thing. But let's not wish the year away. We know for some of us last year just sort of raced by. Um, but, uh, you know, nothing but positivity for this year. Yeah, can't get any worse than the last year, right? Um, we've had such a positive response for the the last three foodie-based chef episodes. Um, I really enjoyed recording to them, each one very, very different. Uh, has anybody been brining the chicken ready to roast? Yeah, I haven't done that. That was a, a chef alad tip. I am going to do it. Um, and no doubt we will... Record some more with theme this year. I'm already in talks. I can't tell you who, I can't tell you when. Um, but already we are in talks with flipping it and talking to some restaurant critics, which I thought uh, would be nice to bookend those chef episodes with. It could be quite interesting. Um, but this week, I'm going back sort of where it all started and I'm talking to the actor Arthur Darville who you'll know from Doctor Who you'll have seen him on stage uh, I saw him on stage during oh god 2019 it was and the National Theatre put on Treasure Island on the telly and me and my son watched it and it was brilliant amazing performances from Arthur and an actress called Patsy Ferron, who's brilliant. Uh, it was a great production. And we'd been in talks for like about a year, really, to, for him to come on. And then um, back end of last year, I found out that he was coming on to guest star in a television show that I was filming in Brighton. But we only had maybe like an hour or so together. And the majority of that was taken up... Um, you know, performing the scenes that we were doing. 
correct. And after that, we didn't. Our schedules just didn't work, so we couldn't do it in person. Uh, but we managed to get it together, and we did it, uh, you know, remotely. Which you know how much I don't like them anymore because I'm sick of them. But this episode, it just pinged. It really did. I think it's jumped into my top five favourite episodes of all time. And I really think you're going to connect with it. And it's odd. It's one of those that you kind of can't... You kind of... You know, I got off the phone and it's like you can't quite believe that we've never sat down before it is one of those episodes i know what you're going to be like you're going to say oh it's like you two are old friends you've known each other for ages and it, we we don't and we didn't um but yes we got on famously and it was a joy to speak to arthur he's very witty um he's very honest uh, and i really really think you can love it uh we loved it so much that arthur and i have already spoken that we're gonna do it again this time in person but yeah we are going to chat again because there is so much that we didn't discuss uh but what we did is uh is hopefully rich and interesting for you to listen to we had an absolute ball and i hope you do too so this is season nine episode 11 of the two shot podcast with the incredible mr arthur darville enjoy and i shall see you at the end I don't know why I went up there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Is that all the oh, I don't care crap? A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Terramount Plus. Arthur, how are you? Yeah, I'm very well. How's things? Yeah, good. Yeah. Good. Where do I find you today? Are you at home? I'm at home in London. Yeah. Um, in, my, in, my, in my room. In my room that I have. I have a, a little music room in my... I see the guitars hanging on the wall yeah. behind you. Yeah. It's funny because when I was thinking, I was doing bits and bobs of research about it, because we know each other a little bit, yeah. I would say. Um, but we've wanted to do this for quite some time. Yeah. Um, and then when we were lucky enough to work together last year, we couldn't do it because we didn't, our schedules just didn't work, did they? We, we, we weren't really in on the same day. I, I was like, no. oh, great. I get to hang out with Craig. And, and like, I really wasted that first day that we had together because I was kind of in my own zone and then that was kind of it I was yeah like, oh oh um so this is this is nice but actually... i did i did see one of our scenes the other week oh yeah and it was very funny <laughs> <laughs> you were you were particularly offensive 
<laughs> try, to be, try to be as offensive, offensive as possible. Well, um, you succeeded. Thank you right. very much. Good. But when I was, um, yeah, when I was doing some research, I was wondering because of what the Darvel seniors, mm. the parents, Marginelli. Yeah, what came first for you, acting or or music? Because obviously, there's influence coming down from there. Yeah, very much. I mean, I it's that it's funny that isn't it? I was, I was thinking about this. Um, am I recording on this? Make sure I am recording my backup. There we go. I don't need it. Um, yeah, I, I was thinking about this. I was. I, I think I always kind of thought, oh no, I've really carved my own path in life, and um, you know, done just kind of known what I wanted to do and, and that's just all come from me, which obviously it's not because my family are like, uh, uh, it's like a performing family. Mm. My dad's a musician and my mum, well, my mum is a lot of things. Uh, she, he, and primarily when I was a kid, she was a puppeteer. Um, so, so they both kind of came at the same time and they've always been along side each other um my yeah so when i was when i was very when i was born my dad was in loads of bands uh as a keyboard player he's an amazing musician he like he's just great he's really brilliant he's a proper kind of hammond organ solely musician and he plays just brilliantly and when i was a kid he was in lots of kind of pop bands uh and kind of doing doing that thing he was playing with the fine young cannibals um mm. and with the ruby turner band who were um, just amazing and ruby's still going and doing a load of stuff now and, um so he was off doing that and my mum was in a puppet theater company um based in we were in birmingham uh, based at the Midlands Arts Centre, which was a huge part of my childhood, that place, um, for loads of different reasons. Um, and so she she was doing these puppet shows, big scale, proper big theatre, run by this amazing guy called John Blundell, who's like a puppet master extraordinaire. And they, you know, they toured the world and went and learnt different disciplines from all over the place. And so I was just kind of carted around from diff- to different... To different places on tour with loads of puppets and puppeteers um and we stayed in a tent for quite a while um like we had a, we had a house but um, yeah. you know um we'd go, go and help mum on tour and be so like my first memories of being uh, are being in a theater and or being in a rehearsal room with my dad or a, a gig so yeah they both kind of came came at the same time um, did they did they encourage you to sort of was your dad encouraging you to pick up an instrument or your mum encouraging you to possibly perform in a way or was she kind of letting you find your path of what you uh, wanted to do? Yeah, they weren't really they weren't really put. It was just quite there was nothing else I was going to do. I think because like, it was just because it was there. It was just there, and yeah. I, I mean, I think I must have been just such an annoying child. I was just <laughs> dancing and like putting on stupid play like they thought it was great they were really uh, like they were so encouraging and always have been and i feel very very lucky to have 
um, had them as my folks because they really just, you know, they also had a lot going on themselves. So they just kind of like, I was just a lot like, I was just with them doing it and enthusiastic and they were enthusiastic about me kind of joining in. And um, it's funny, isn't it? We don't have like, I I think about kids now, like they've got um, so many videos and pictures of them growing up, right? Constant, Mm. like everything's videoed. So you've got like a kind of instant picture recall of what actually happened. But like, oh, it's all documented. It's mad, isn't it? I can't quite yeah. imagine having it because, like, I, I'm sure most of my memories are false, but they're they're kind of amazing. I feel like I had this kind of amazing childhood, um, you know, thanks to thanks to them, where I was just kind of encouraged to just piss around with puppets and banging on a piano and making aw- some awful sounds, and <laughs> like was told it was great. <laughs> <You know? laughs> Um, and there's no, you know, there's no, it's not really, it's not really documented. So it's quite nice. It's quite nice. But isn't it, you said there about memories and sometimes they're, they're probably false. Isn't it interesting sometimes if we think back and we have a certain version that's imprinted yeah. in our brain about, oh, no, no, this, I remember this actually happening. And then you speak to somebody else who was there at that point, whether it's a, a parent or a sibling, whatever. And you go, no, 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 it did, no, yeah. that didn't happen like that. Yeah. You go, no, 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 I'm, I'm pretty sure it did. In fact, the only, time I'm, the only time I'm wavering is because you're telling me that you saw it from a different angle. It didn't happen like that. So now, now, now you're going, oh, God, well, can I, can I trust yeah. these happy memories? Don't want to dive into it again now because it, it might be completely false. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, I, I hope it – I think it was uh, – actually, I, my, my cousin sent me a – my cousin, my uncle was the first person in our family, he was an American. Well, mm. um, he was the first person in our family to have a video camera. And he came over one Christmas and like filmed everyone doing their thing. And my cousin sent me a clip of it. And it's not very, it's not very long. And it is me just dancing. <laughs> <laughs> well, me, me and my mate, my, me and my best mate growing up, Toby Wilson, who uh, is a brilliant drummer. And we kind of were just thick as thieves as kids. Um, making loads of noise. Um, it's me. It's me and him doing a gig in my bedroom. Um, and uh, oh god, it's 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 a tiny, tiny snippet. But it was like, oh yeah, no, I was, I was, I was doing, I was, I was big, big performing, <laughs> big performing, chi- annoying child. I don't know if I would deal very well with me now. <laughs> like, um, but you know, I, I was very much encouraged to just. You know, <laughs> keep going. You're brilliant. Um, well, yeah, I which mean, is really else? great. It's really great. yeah. I think it, I think it's absolutely it comes, fantastic. Comes I mean, with its problems. I'm glad I've realised. You know, realised. Yeah, that. I mean, my my son is ten, and last year he stopped piano lessons right. at school because he was just fine. He was ju- he has some. He has finds some coordination problems quite hard sometimes. Right, he's got a very low form of uh, dyspraxia. Right, so it's like he has to really focus when he's writing. And um, but I thought I said, what about drumming? How mm. do you fancy? It? And he went, yeah, I think so. And he's taken it 
he's taken to it like a duck to water, oh, honestly. He has drumming lessons uh, most Saturdays when he's with me with... Um, I, I just put it out because uh, I knew this guy on social media who used to be the drummer in Elbow. Oh, great. And now he teaches. Right. And I said to him, not thinking, I didn't know he taught at this moment, so I messaged him and I said, oh, do you know anybody in yeah. the area? And he went, yeah, me, I'll teach him. And I yeah. went, fucking kidding me. And he's so brilliant, so brilliant with children. He's amazing. He's got so much patience. And... uh but halfway through, so we have an hour lesson, but yeah. then about 40 minutes in, he's, my son is just like, oh, I'm really... I said, well, it's hard work. <laughs> just drumming. Yeah, it takes, you know, your coordination skills, yeah. but also physically it's it's full on. But I'm pleased and happy that he's got that sort of musical outlet. I think it's really important, like, I, I just for any... I think learning music as a kid in whatever way is really important i was really lucky to have just have it around all the time and was i was obsessed with it so it was never like i mean once i got to school like i I wasn't very good at doing like i was never very good at doing like piano lessons and those kind like mm. well they always seem to me to be very strict yeah and i don't know if i don't know if that's a false memory of a certain film i may have watched uh, you know where it was quite regimented and you had to be strict and you couldn't really have fun with it. Yeah. I just found it like, I found, I I found kind of concentrating on the things that I was told to be concentrating on really difficult. I've kind of been looking into, I think I, having had lots of therapy recently (laughs) and kind of trying to sort some shit out in my head. Yeah. I think, I think, and kind of a, but I think, I think I've, got ADHD and I think I have definitely kind of had that growing up that was never really looked at. Di- diagnosed. Yeah. So I was yeah. kind of obsessive over certain things and really like threw, threw myself into like learning, self-learning things. But then it, whenever I'd be kind of made to concentrate on anything, I just, I just couldn't, I didn't have the patience. I didn't have the willpower. And I was always like, so we just told off for not for not doing it, and I and rightly so because I was probably quite lazy as well because I was also kind of I was just into what I was into and I just didn't really care about mm. the other stuff and just tried to tried to get by. But I do have some kind of not regrets, but just like I, I think it's it's interesting to me to me to look to look back and go, oh yeah, I, th- I just didn't I didn't apply myself in things that now I'm actually quite interested in learning properly. Uh, or like later in life kind of have then kind of found those little obsessions with. Well, it's interesting you say that because also you're, you're only a little bit younger than me. Yeah. I'd say you're about five years younger than me. I think I'm I'm, I'm, I'm on the cusp of 40. Yes. So, all right. So yeah, I'm 45. So yeah, it's much of a much less, but it's of that time, uh, certainly in the, education system where things like that weren't diagnosed yeah like uh, um a friend of mine who is in her late 30s has quite severe dyspraxia now like she can't she can't catch a ball 
Right. Like, still finds things like that really difficult. And when she was at school, she just remembers sort of like, she was like walking into doors and things <laughs> like that. And she was, and she was just oh, told that she was, she was just a complete accident prone and she was, yeah. she was this and she was that and she was the other. But it's because it wasn't diagnosed at that time. Yeah. You, know, you were told that you're accident prone or you're a lazy or you're a yeah. daydreamer. And actually now I, I, I think, it's getting better with with um, diagnosing these things early with with children. Yeah, I mean, like, uh, uh, and this I, uh, is this right? So um, I think my mom was always just so amazingly encouraging, like to a fault. Like she's she's absolutely great. My mom, she was very she was very very encouraging, but to the point where I think some things were maybe pointed out as. Uh, you know, from from school, like things like no one could read a word that I wrote because my handwriting was so awful. And my mum was just like, yeah, but what he's writing's great. Like she was always just seeing the positive in everything. And I think that really, it both hindered and I think actually ultimately really helped me because I just powered on through with real confidence with everything. Um, maybe I would have... You know, if we'd have stopped to listen to those people along the way, maybe I would have learned some different things. You know, let's not uh, delve too deeply into that. But, uh, but what it did give me was this, you know, um, absurd level of, well, I, yeah, confidence. Because I, I was really shy. I think everyone's really shy, aren't they? We're all shy. Like, like I, I think, I, yeah, I think most people are shy until they get to a certain age. Yeah. I I don't really I don't know if I subscribe to adults being shy. <laughs> certainly not. Certainly not. I mean, look, <laughs> it manifests itself in different ways, doesn't it? If you're shy, you can come across as quite gregarious in a way because you're nervous. Yeah. Yeah. We do, well, we all have we 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 put on these ways of dealing with things, don't we? In dealing with social situations, or like working out what we're comfortable with and what our boundaries yeah. are, and you know, everyone's got that. Yeah, I, yeah, I think so, and I think we sort of still do that. I mean, I, I don't think I do it. Hopefully, I mean, but you're very, you're very gregarious, and like you seem to be. Yeah, everyone's, but, you know, in a really yeah, good but way. I don't, I think so, yeah. But and is that I, is that a natural thing? Have you always been like that? No, it never no, it never used to be. Do you, do you remember Do you remember when you first started going to like do's, like for My, our industry? Oh, right? right. so you yeah, would go yeah. you would go to like an awards do or a special screening or an awards party or whatever and it's it's quite full on if you've never been to one before because there's lots of people there. Yeah. And I would always retreat in yeah. I would find a safe corner and I would stay sort of around that. I wouldn't really sort of wander around and say hello to people who I don't know because I just think that's fucking weird. Yeah. <laughs> just because we're all just because we're all in the same industry. Also you just go quite Yeah. Hello Hello. Oh, hello. There's as far as it quite, goes. Mm. There's something quite obnoxious about that, and uh, and I can't really get on board with that. Some people uh, are really good think, at it, but I don't think that's necessarily a good thing. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I really don't. I find it. Um, 
I find it slightly embarrassing. Um, yeah, but like, good on them. Like, I don't know. Like, yeah. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. Good on them. I mean, I think that's. <laughs> I, I, think, I think that's. I think that's pretty generous. Yeah. Right, yeah. Honest, right. It's because annoying. this look it's annoying. The thing. The thing is, there is nothing wrong, and we've all got it. Yeah. It, it, certainly in our industry, there's nothing wrong at all with ambition because mm. I think you need it. Uh, to survive, you know, I remember, you know, you spoken about this loads. You need to wear a suit of armour yeah. to sort of protect you, you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. from the inevitable hurt, pain and rejection that yeah, is in well, the post. Yeah, all of and it. it. And it's all, always there. But the, I, I mean, I think... Looming in the dark. Um, I what are you like with if, meeting if, your heroes in those situations? Like, because obviously uh, we get put in situations where you meet, or do you not do, like... Do you ever go into? I don't. I, I don't have any heroes. I keep my expectations very low. Oh right, and okay. I can never be disappointed. No, I don't know. Look, the thing is, I'm trying to think when I've been overwhelmed in the past. I don't know. I'm kind of in awe of people that aren't in our industry. Yeah. So yeah. I, I think I would. Uh, be slightly flappy if I met certain stand-up comedy heroes or certain chefs who I admire. I think if sort of, I don't know, if Anthony Bourdain was sort of still with us and I met him in real life, I think I'd be quite intimidating because I think he's probably, he was quite an intimidating presence. So something like that. How are you with, with... not very good. People like you admire. Not very good. And I don't have met like. I suppose it's like nostalgia, right? So the the there was some big. Um, like I was really into certain things as a kid, and so like I was really into the young ones. Yeah. Um. And especially Neil, and then I got to do a thing with Nigel Planer very briefly, and then I yes. and I said to him right at the beginning i was like look i'm not gonna this is i'm not gonna be very cool with this i just need you to know you're a big part of my childhood and you know but i have to i have to let you know because otherwise i'll just be thinking it and i tried to make him my friend which didn't work um and so i invited him to a play that i was doing and i was like just don't like make him make him like i was overthinking it completely this is about this is about <laughs> t- 10 years ago and we we had a drink and it was nice and he came to see the yeah. show and then and it was at the globe and they've got mm. these fucking seats that are like i don't know maybe it's changed now it was like they were like big heavy stools anyway i said so great to see you let's catch up again soon turn round, walk straight into a chair and when arse over tit just fell straight on the floor and I was like, and because the, the whole way through the conversation, I was just like, "This is cool. I'm cool. We're just making friends. This is great. It's totally great. I'm very, uh, very. You know, we've got lots in common. You know, it's fine." And then I was like, "Yes, I haven't fucked this up. This is great." And uh, I just I stacked it, but we'd already said goodbye. So, and I was right in front of him. I just, I just, I just ran away. <laughs> what else could you do? Yeah. And then I, te- I texted him saying, "Oh, so." 
we, we haven't stayed in touch, by the way. Uh, I just texted him saying, oh, lovely to see you. So, sorry for falling over. And uh, he just said, um, nice to see you. Nice to see you fall over, which was great. And that was the end of kind of our... Our, our relationship and that's all I, that's actually all I wanted for that it's I'm glad that a, a small but brief affair and sometimes yeah. people come into your life and they stay and sometimes you fall over yeah. and stack it and they go so what I do if I ever meet someone who I'm a real you know a real fan of I'll just throw I throw myself on the floor I think it's the only way I think we should all adopt that yeah from now on yeah and it's like you're saying it's fine look Mm. No airs and graces around me. No. I can fall over. I've no shame. It's actually just stripping away all of this stuff, you know, and just it gets gets down to the just the real <laughs> me. It's just a man flailing around helplessly on the floor in embarrassment. Did that happen for you at drama school? Did they sort of uh try and strip Arthur from Birmingham down and rebuild him? I, I suppose so, yeah. I think I needed it. Like In what way? I think I just had loads of, and I, I, and I still, I, I notice myself doing this now, and we all do. But I had certain kind of tensions and things that I was worried about. Like, I mean, even just, it, it boiled down to like my posture was just mad when I got to oh, school. Do you know what I mean? I, like, mate, I'm. You know how tall I am. Yeah, and I now I still get told off. Well. Pointed out by <laughs> cer- certain people. It's weird getting told off now, isn't it? Well, it is a bit. I'm 45. <laughs> unless, I, unless I've done something really wrong that yeah. I expect, I'll take it. But no, but it's about, and I can feel myself. I'm doing it now away from the mic. I can feel myself yeah. stand up and I can. Oh, yeah. That's why I got an Alexander Technique scholarship at yeah. drama school because I was constantly. They, said, they always said to me, stop apologising for yeah. your height. And that's what I was doing, you know. Obviously, you were doing the same. Well, yeah, but I'm not, even, I'm not even really that tall. Like, I'm five, five eleven and a half. Um, just, put, just put that out there right now. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know what it... I think it was a... I don't know. I kind of thought I was this kind of, like... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it was. I just but had you, my shoulders up here, and uh, we did this exercise where um, you had to follow people around the room and then imitate their walk. And then oh yeah, yeah. As yeah. you're walking around the room, then you leave and you're watching someone else doing your walk. And I was like, "Are you fucking joking?" That is absolutely <laughs> not. Um, but it was. So there was like lo- loads of those things that just weren't helping me. I think I just needed. I was quite. I, I feel like I was quite young when I went to drive. I was, How, 20, I was I, twenty-one, but I felt like I was wow. kind of a young twenty-one. Right. Like I look okay. at twenty-one-year-olds now and go, "You're all men." And I was like a weird, awkward child with shoulders up to my ears. Like, um, yeah, that's a lot of tension there, Arthur. A lot of tension, lot of tension. on the shoulders, and it's still some of it's still there. <laughs> it's hiding, hiding in the shadows. Um, yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's interesting you say that that you felt you felt a young twenty-one because yeah. I went just at eighteen. Right. Wow. And and, I, and there was at times because I left when I was twenty-one. Wow. And I remember there, I remember there was a a twenty-four-year-old in our year, and I just thought that was fucking ancient. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, he's super old. But the thing is that I did have a time of 
I don't think... Uh, I don't want to say regret, because I don't regret, but there was a time where I thought, maybe I was a bit too young, because I didn't really have any life experience yeah. to go to drama school. I literally went straight from Blackpool on the train to London. But that's life experience, isn't it? you got a train. Yeah. Uh, some, but I, I understand what why I feel it could be important if you are going to go down that route to possibly do a bit of travelling or yeah because it, and also you know what it's like lads mature much slower yeah than than girls and it's like twenty one year old boys are twenty one year old. Boys, that's exactly what they are. They're boys because yeah. we're not, we're just not ready no. for it. Yeah, it takes us a longer time. So yeah. I understand what you mean when you're young, 21. But did you mean that you kind of done what I did? Did you go sort of from Birmingham and then just move down to London? Yeah, well, so what happened was, um, I wasn't concentrating very much at school. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, school is a different thing. I kind of had like a childhood of two halves. Where I was in this kind of, <laughs> I'm going to describe it. It's like I was in a, a very creative household, and we were all, you know, I had knitted home knitted jumpers, and we lived in a tent. <laughs> I don't know. It sounds like I had a very, and I lived in a magical land of make believe. Very, very bohemian. My best friend was a puppet. Um, <laughs> that's that. Uh, but you know, I went fr- from that then. Um. Then my mum got a job doing... We'll come back to this. My mum got a job as a puppeteer on a kids' TV show in London. Which was? Play Days. Exactly. Sure. Uh, and um, was her, My mum was, was the Y-bird. Of course she was. My wife said, you know that's the most interesting fact about you. You've got to say that in the podcast. <laughs> Thanks, babe. It, it is good. Forget how good it is. Um, uh, <laughs> Um, for a certain for a certain generation, that is absolute oh, gold. Huge people lose their yeah. shit. Of course, and they she do. absolutely loves it. She's actually got hold of the puppet, uh, um, and she brings it out at Christmas. It's terrifying, but really great. Um, so she was off doing that. Um, my sister was like eight years younger than me, so she was kind of just tiny. Um, my dad was kind of away on tour, and so they sent me to boarding school <laughs> which was which was close to my house like quite near to my house but so suddenly yeah. I went from having no money to having enough money to do that and they weren't at home and they were very much like is aspirational a word <laughs> like wanting to uh-huh. do the best you know and to for yeah, the, for mom, their children yeah and they're yeah. both from a very you know very grounded you know my mom's family my grandfather worked on the docks in liverpool and you know uh and my dad's family you know we weren't like think like come come from nothing like everyone was like worked hard you know but i think my parents were like no we want to kind of i don't know kind of do something break away from from whatever that was and yeah anyway I don't know. So I'm, trying, age, I'm trying to analyse it too much. But they, they, for whatever reason, because, you know, they thought it was the right decision at the time, they sent me to boarding school. What age was that? 
12, 11, 12. Right, so that, that, like at the very start of secondary school? Yeah, yeah. So I started like going every day, just like in, because it was 20 minutes from my house, or half an hour from my house. Um, and so I started going in every day, and then it just got, I was doing so many extra things. I mean, it was kind of amazing. It was really, it was, I mean, we can do a whole episode on boarding school, can't we? Um, we can. Uh, I used to be, I used to be like, when I was a kind of a precocious mid-twenties, I was a bit like, why do you do that? Like, I don't really, I didn't really understand what, I suddenly kind of turned around and went, I don't know why you did that. And now I'm less like, I think, but I think that's because I was embarrassed about it, actually, maybe. Why um, were you embarrassed? I don't know, because, because. Because of what, because of being at a boarding school and that yeah. sort of that's, I mean saying you went to boarding school automatically makes you sound like a prick <laughs> no. well it automatically for 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 other people they put you in yeah a certain class yeah don't they? totally like that's automatic yeah absolutely it's like I don't, don't think of an elephant Bam, yeah. elephants in there, you know? Yeah. So it just automatically says that. Do you think that's something to do with it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think I didn't want it to be judged. But now I've, I've really made my peace with it. And actually, I'm very, you know, I'm very grateful to my parents for, you know, for, for, for pay, pay, paying all that money because they thought it was the best thing to do. And actually, I got a lot, I got a lot out of it as well. Like, it was... Did you enjoy it at the time? I don't, I don't know. Like elements of it, elements of it, I did. I met mm. the most amazing drama teacher, um, Mike Perry, and he was just great. And um, the music that I was doing there was great. I didn't really concentrate on my studies that much. I wasn't very, I, I wasn't very academic. I think I pretended to be quite academic, but I wasn't very. I didn't. Mm. I, did, I felt like I didn't really fit in, so I kind of made it work for me. Um, but you were sort of nurtured for the extracurricular? Yeah. Right. Choir, jazzmatazz, played tell, bass. Tell me about, tell, let's do a deep deep dive into jazzmatazz, please. Jazzmatazz was a Dixieland jazz band, the worst kind of jazz. Fucking um, hell. And I played... It's a, it's a boarding school education here, people. Yeah, yeah. And we had sparkly waistcoats. <laughs> and we did... You know, various little brown jug. We did, um, you know, standards. Really, oh. and um, I played bass. I had, I had hair in spikes, and I had the bass down at my knees. Of course, um, you did. Trying to play little brown jug. Very, very Peter Hook makes Dixieland jazz. Absolutely, I was bringing, um, you know, trying to bring a bit of new wave to. Very strong images in in our minds now. Yeah. The so there were bits of the great. What wasn't so great was not, mm. just not having not having any privacy uh, ever, um, and just growing up. I was lucky. I lived close by. We had school on Saturday, so we'd Monday to Saturday, and I was lucky that I got to go home every weekend. You know, and a lot of kids didn't. A lot of army mm. kids. A lot of you know people who had a really horrible time and. Uh, I think I got got off fairly 
lucky from it actually because I know people who've had a, who had a, had a a much tougher time and were kind of you know trying to deal with certain things and get by and I got fairly bullied I you know all those things but also I kind of found found my tribe there as well and found my people who were all kind of a bit older than me um and 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 actually you know and and some of the people in my year were you know we were great I had great friends there and just did all the extra stuff and didn't really I don't know that's so interesting I when I was growing up I sort of would always gravitate to the older kids yeah I would always want to be in their gang and be friends with them not so much similar ages to me I don't, yeah. I don't know what that I don't know what that says or what well, there's a couple of things about that school that I like I'm ultimately so thankful for one was meeting my drama teacher Mike Perry who opened my eyes to so many things and was just really yeah he's just really great he's still teaching and he's, he's a brilliant teacher he's a brilliant writer as well and, and musician and he's, he's great um I met him and there was a kid, I can say a kid, he's still a friend of mine. There's a guy who was older than me. Yeah, this kid at my school, who was four years older than me. Uh, there's a guy at my school called Fife Dangerfield. Who, oh, of course. From, yes, and, yes. And he went on to, and he, so he, I just was totally in awe of him. And he had a band at school called Senseless Prayer. Oh, uh, of course. Great. We all had bands. Senseless my first, My first band was called Shale. St- and in brackets, sedimentary rock. <laughs> yeah. no, it does what it says on the set. Um, yeah, so and, and anyway, so it was all about like how much time we could spend hanging around watching Fife play music because um, he was amazing. And then like we all started bands and, and that, you know, all kind of that side of it mm. was great. So I was very grateful to have kind of met him and that friendship's continued and... He's an amazing, amazing musician and a wonderful man. And, um, you know, it's all about the people, isn't it? And I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, that's all I've got to say on it. It's just all about people, isn't it? The people you meet along the way. And, like, well, I think, yeah, those I think relationships is, I, are really important. But, but uh, you know, that's... You know, it's one of the many factors of why I started doing this five years ago is because we don't get to sit down for an hour or so and look back and think about those people. And it's really, I think it's quite healthy to do that. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, Is it true you had a band called Edmund? I did have a band called Edmund. All my bands after that were named. I had a band. Well, it was the same band, Marcel, with with Toby Wilson, who was my my best friend growing up. We were yeah. We, uh, he played drums. We started off actually. We had our first band was called the Junior Beatles, and we did exclusively Beatles songs. But still, um, still from the best. Yeah, uh, my voice hadn't broken, so it was. Uh, unbearable, I think, probably to listen to. Yesterday, <laughs> all my troubles seem so far away. <laughs> really, um, really great. We thought we were brilliant. Um, I was obsessed with the Beatles. I still am. Anyway, so yeah. And then, uh, have you uh, just to just to side 
off and go off-road ever so slightly, have you got to grips with the documentary yet? I'm sure you have. I mean, I think it's the best thing I've ever seen. I just, it, it, well, maybe that's wrong. It's everything I ever wanted as a 10-year-old. And just watching it, you feel like you're in that room. And I love the fact it's so long. And you just, and bits of it, I found bits of it really frustrating because you're like, just, get, just play it, play, get back right. Just get it right, Paul. <laughs> um, but they're just amazing. It's changed my opinion of them. I as was going to. People. I was going to ask that if it's changed. I know it's changed a lot of people's opinion on the Paul John Yoko. Yeah. yeah. Which is really yeah. They were they were in their twenties, and they were just like. I've always been right. I've always been slightly dismissive of Paul because I just find him so kind of had all when I was younger. Kind of found him quite sickly sweet, and that kind of just a bit too. Probably like too close to who I was as a person. Like I really, but I really like John. I was such a massive John Lennon fan. And still, you know, and still am, and like, but watching that really made me go. I've really dismissed Paul along the way, and actually, he's a genius. And his vocals on those songs, take after take after take, cigarette after cigarette after cigarette, after cup of tea after cup of tea after cup of tea after cup of tea, <laughs> are just mind blowing. The 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 commitment and the 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 just openness to playing and like just trying to find it in those it's it's extra it's extraordinary it's extraordinary and uh, like and the other revelation was just like george is just you just go you just want to go you're fucking amazing man do you do you know that because you can see him just being a bit like oh i think i'm doing a bit shit like Eric, Cla- yes. Eric Clapton would be a bit better than me. Like, and he's having loads of fun, but he just doesn't have the. And when he like brings in, he starts bringing in songs. And you're like, these songs are the best. <laughs> and like this, so good on that album. Like the George songs are so good. Uh, so yeah. with with these bands, was yeah. there ever a serious part of you as a a young lad going? I'm going to be in a band. This is what I'm going to do with my life. Yeah, I think to a point, maybe. I think I kind of knew, I always kind of had, was was doing too many things, I think. And I was already kind of acting and doing that. But yeah, I I think I always thought that that was maybe going to happen. I honestly don't like, I think we were great. I don't think we were quite good enough to, to do that. And we never really went for it it was more for the we never like went for it went for it it was more the kind of joy of doing it and by the time it started kind of getting to the point like oh we could do something i went off to drama school so um like by the time where i kind of started taking my the writing of the songs more seriously and kind of working out actually how to write a good song rather than just things that i thought sounded good um and that goes back to that thing of like not quite having life experience. I, I think, like, I think when I was starting to, you know, to write songs, 
when I was a kid, I remember just going, I've got nothing to say. Like, there's nothing. Like, what, who wants my perspective on this? <laughs> but but in, in a way, what a mature thought to have at a young age. Because usually, you know, if you some people would go back through their diaries and look at certain poems yeah. that they thought were truly prolific when they were like 14 or you know the great heartbreak poems that you just think were absolute works of art at the time yeah that you sort of you wrote through tears <laughs> and that's just absolutely laughable and horrific yeah but I think what drew, like I really wanted to write songs mm. I, or I really wanted to have songs that I'd written <laughs> I don't think at the time, like when I was a kid, I don't think I was like, I need to write these songs because this is how I'm feeling about something or. Yeah. And and then it did move into that. And then the stuff I've written in the 20 years since has very much that, you know, but I just didn't quite make the connection. I was just so like enthusiastic and just wanted to have songs to play and knew what I wanted them to sound like. And, you know, they could, be about also like i was really into nonsense stuff actually like a lot of the beatles nonsense stuff and a lot of the goons stuff and then you know even like i was mad into oasis for a while and like a lot of their songs just don't mean anything (laughs) you know but the thing the thing is they no they don't you're right but i think they did to a younger us i remember yeah um an old girlfriend of mine in Blackpool bought me the first Oasis album. Mm. And I just went, I've never heard anything like this before. This, yeah. is, this is exactly the teenage sort of angst yeah. output that I really need. Yeah. So in, in, so in that respect, at such a young age, it kind of meant something. Yeah, definitely. But then you look back and you go, oh, it doesn't mean anything, yeah. but... And I, not, not to say that, you know, those are bad songs, because they're not, uh, you know, and it, it was the sound of a generation, but it's just very much of its... Oh, yeah. Very much of its time. But what I took from that was like, oh, yeah, you can kind of just have, like, a stream... I can write whatever I'm thinking now, put it in a song, and, you know, that's a song. And actually, like, I was this... Fife was really into Manic Street Preachers and he was writing these like really complicated, lyrically amazing songs. And I was just like, I'm just not clever enough to do that. That's uh, <laughs> that's absolutely not, you know. So, And then, you know, later on it became more, I kind of actually started writing things that that meant, meant something more to me. Yeah. I, felt like, I don't know how I managed, I was just thinking, I don't know how I managed to fit everything in as a kid. Like, how do we... Like now, if I've got two things on in a day, that's it. Me done. I mean, absolutely. Well, that's be- that's because you know, summer holidays used to last for like they felt like they lasted for six months. Yeah. And now, as we've grown up, and it's like, yeah, we're all oh, right. I've got these things to do today, and I need to get them done by four o'clock. And yeah. Shit, shit. It's five. It's five past four, and I've still only done half of the things that I need to do. Yeah. Because I went to school six days a week. And then on a Sunday, I went to youth theatre in Birmingham. So I just, I was like, and that, like, that place more than anything is, I think, what shaped me as a, a person in that that youth theatre. Um, what? Because you were you were encouraged more. I found I found my 
people and the people I met there are still my closest friends and we all moved to London together and we what around the same time so my this is a youth theatre company called Stage 2 in Birmingham and quite a few actors um, from Birmingham went to it and we did I mean the ambition of it was amazing just these huge shows that were taken very seriously and it was never like oh it's a kids show it was like no, we're doing proper, we're doing proper theatre, and you. It was quite, it was quite strict. It was like you turn up on time, you don't mess around, you don't talk, like. It, but that is think getting shit like that drummed into you at an early age. Yeah, is so important. Yeah, because I had I no rem- real discipline anywhere else in my life. I don't think like my parents were like, yeah, you're great, just get on and do it. And I think that place gave me a kind of a good. A good bit of discipline but you know it's that thing i remember turning up late for a, a class at drama school literally and i'm talking i was not even two minutes late mm. and i was shown the door i wasn't i wasn't allowed in yeah. you have to be on time and i think you know i mean we've all been there but if someone's you know the fantastic lucky position when you're filming someone nine times out of ten comes and pick you up mm. if you're not on time then it's going to have a knock-on effect for that driver. I mean, I remember being in a car with some who was waiting for somebody a long time ago, and it was when you had to share a car, and we were waiting like forty minutes for someone to. <laughs> I think I. Trot. I think I've been that person. Oh look, we've all been that person at some point. Oh, we've. Oh, do you, do you still have that great fear of the alarm not going off, like for a first day? Yeah, I still have that feeling of going, oh, I'm late for school. Or like like when you just wake up and go, oh, fuck, especially when you're filming, because it's like, I don't, I don't really do well with early early mornings. Uh, well, I'm, yeah, I'm all right. I'm quite sort of Mary Poppinsy in the mm. morning. But if I've got like a, a six o'clock pickup, I'm guaranteed I'm awake at 4.15 mm. because I'm yeah. terrified I'm going to the alarm. Yeah. But I do remember uh, a, a very early driver once <laughs> this is awful i can't say who it is but there was about four of us in a in a van mm. and the person that we were waiting for outside the hotel just didn't come down the reception they rung his room nothing 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 in the end the the very burly driver had to kick the door down of the hotel found him <laughs> Still passed out on his bed, fast asleep, drunk from the night before, and yeah. fire lifted, fire lifted him into the people carrier, and then he just sort of fed him espresso and Red Bull and got him to set. I mean, he went what a above job, eh? What a job, you, like no, a job where that's like, oh yeah, he was late for work. He had to, he had to be carried into work this morning, <laughs> like, <laughs> carried into work. Yeah, gosh, that's my alarm. Someone carried me into work. It's fine. Um, yeah, silly, silly job we do, isn't it? <laughs> Sometimes <laughs> when things like I that mean, are tolerated. If you, if you break it down, then yeah, sometimes. But um, yeah. tell me about your time at drama school. Oh yeah, so as well a, as a as, so, as a 21-year-old. Yeah, well, it was great and awful, and you know all the things that it should be. It was, it was. Um, so I'd moved down with, um some people from 
Oh, I met stage two, Richard. Was, was anybody at stage two going to the same drama school as you? No. So we all no. we, we all went to different drama schools in the same year, which right. was great. Yeah, brilliant. We all got access to each other's group of friends mm-hmm. and became a, like a, it was really it was really great. And you know, um, Matt and Kian and Rick. Um, we all moved down together. One was at Lambda, one was at Weber, uh, one was at Artshead, and I went to RADA. Um, and we lived in Shepherd's Bush because um, I'd heard of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> and it was, you know, <laughs> it was in London. It's How kind of mad helpful. when you think about it. We rented a house and we, you know, we all moved down and started going to drama school. It was mad. I feel really grateful to have had those friends. We were all going through the same thing at diff- with different groups of people. I think it would have been terrible if, like, well, not terrible, like if two of us had got into the same place or whatever, but it was just luck had it that we were all kind of doing our own thing, but we had each other to be like, to f- have a bit of home with us. And also, and also you can share your experiences of what, what everybody's going through at different drama schools. But I think that's a really important thing that you touched on that you brought home to yeah. London. Yeah. And a lot of people like, it's kind of looked around a lot of people that like, moved from miles away and lived on their own and, were on the way to drama. And I didn't quite appreciate it at the time. I was just like, yeah, we're all here. It's all great. And I kind of look back and go, how did you guys do it? Like, I felt so grounded because I had those people, like we all had each other around us and we could be there for each other. That, And I kind of just, I totally took it for granted. And I kind of don't, I really admire those people who just like came down with no one and you know did it on their own and it's 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 hard drama school training like yes it's loads of fun i think it's you know it's not for everyone and i know uh, i mean i think it can be really you you kind of it's there's a lot asked of you there's a lot mentally asked of you and and it and it gets harder and harder and yeah. progressively becomes less fun because well, for because the, the stakes are raised, yeah, and the bars set so high, and then it becomes slightly brutal towards yeah. the end. I think, and if I definitely, like, we all, we all, I mean, I was in a really good year of people. Actually, um, we all kind of hated each other by the end. We all turned against each other. And like we all were kind of fight but it was a it was a tricky our year was known as the tricky year. Why why was it why was it given that label? Because there were Or was or is that or is that a, Oh really? There was quite a lot of racism in our year as well, like quite overt racism that had to be called out. Um, so you were class of you were class of what, Arthur? We graduated two thousand six. Right. Because, yeah. you know, I mean, you're not the first person. I know I know a few people that have gone through the RADA system um, and found it particularly awful. And, and this is not – and I know I'm, I'm not picking on RADA. I'm just picking on certain people's uh, individual experiences. Yeah. I'm not saying that you you had that, but I know certain people that had a completely miserable time. Yeah. 
I was by by my uh, I'm a white man and uh, and therefore had an easier ride. Yeah, and I'm not saying that the institution is uh, racist, but the you know, I think even you know before you even um think about the racial side of it, it the 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 women in our year just had a really had a much tougher time than the men um because of casting because of what was asked of them because of what the you know the expectations of the or the imagined expectations of what the industry wants you to be and look like and you know all of that and at the time like at the time i you know we all acknowledged it and we all talked about it but i think only you know the more you look back and the further i get away from that the further i the more i see like god that that that's really not that's really not right yeah. and and and, w- and was very difficult for a lot of people i think do you ever look back and think ah you know we sh- we i should have done something i should have said something definitely here yeah 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 definitely um but you know and 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 we were all going through our own stuff and you know it wasn't just drama training at that point it's you know everyone's in relationships with each other everyone's you know falling out like it's pretty it's 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 messy it's it's a messy messy time that's the word isn't it just an intense but Looking at the good things, looking at what happened to me, uh, God, no, I, I found the first year really hard. Yeah, because I didn't get it, and I was trying to get it right, and I, I, I didn't, I don't know, just didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand it, and I had weird well, posture. Well, it's it is weird though, isn't it? Not your posture, but it is weird because there's only there's there's a very limited amount of preparation you can do before you're thrown into this system. Yeah. This, this very intense three years. Yeah. So it is, it just, I suppose it takes, it takes a while to get your head around. I think it does. Trying to do your best and trying to get it right. And inevitably failing. I really had a a great second year Hmm. and then third year just felt like a sales pitch. Like it was great, and doing the shows was a relief because we could just rehearse and do shows. But then, I, 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 by by halfway through, you're like, "Oh, we're all just trying to get an agent here and jobs, right?" And that's and that and that felt that felt weird. But again, with the people, like I learned a lot there. I did learn a lot there, and I kind of still go, "Oh." Just remember that from drama school. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And it's still, you know, it's all valid. And I'm, I'm very, you know, I, I feel very lucky to have gone to that place um, and to have been told repeatedly that you are the future of British theatre. Um, <laughs> rel- relentlessly. It's like, okay, <laughs> thanks. Uh, uh, seems a bit odd to do. Um uh, but it is, it, and it has that kind of feel to it. I don't know. I, well, two things. I started buddying there and kind of um, 
you know, been Can you ju- and- uh, just explain to people who don't know what the sort of the buddy system is? Oh, yeah. So a drama school in your third year, you're kind of assigned graduates to, it's not, it's not to like help you out. I suppose, I suppose it is just to be a contact in the industry for any questions or... It's just sort of a, a bit of advice, isn't it? Because yeah. it's... I think it's inevitable. I think it's. I think it's. Um, I think it's ever so helpful. I think it's great. I and yeah, I've, I I really enjoyed doing it as well. And I, I went back to see um, a couple of their shows, and they they were great, really good. And you just go, oh wow, you're so. They, they, it's it's just changed now. A lot of it for the better, I think. You know, I, w- I would hope so. Yeah, and not that it was awful when I was there. It wasn't. It was great. It was its own thing. But like, I don't know. This. It, they seem but to the be really. Is we, uh, like, I don't know. we all have st- uh, those stories of it's. You know, it's a. It's not black and white. It's a mixture of good times and fucking awful times. Yeah, yeah. You know, and you know, and I'm sure, like them, it, I, I'm going in as an outsider and watching their shows and asking them how they're doing. You know, um, yeah. And they're. I mean, I think graduating during a global pandemic is probably not the one is it oh uh, mate I, that's i think that's tough but you know they they're all they were really they're just really good and and i really was like yeah great this is in, it's it's brilliant it, it it was really brilliant to see so that's i've really enjoyed that recently um and then it's about it's about those people you i i made a, i met i met che walker at drama school who huh. is an amazing writer and director and theatre wizard. Um, and that's a big, he's been a big part of my life since, and I owe him a lot, actually. In, um, in what way, mate? We, so we met, he was director. he was just unlike anyone else. He came in, he called everyone babe. He was like... <laughs> really ostentatious that um, he was like because everyone was you know it was we were at rada and everyone was very you know as much as they weren't some sometimes a bit stuffy yeah and th- this guy from camden comes in with huge energy and just you know we were doing period dance we were walking around the room with our hands you know our fingers touching and he was like no let's just do something messy and like and he directed i wasn't in it he directed a um, so he's a guest director coming in. He's a guest he's... director coming right. in. Right, okay, brilliant. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and he was, I mean, he must have been like tw- in his 30s, right? Yeah. And he was just, he was just energy, energy. And he directed a production of Barman Gilead, which is just like nothing else that the school was doing. It was like this piece of really sexy... Um, energetic theater just like broke all the rules and he did it like promenade and like people had to like act against it was like a big piece of experience theater it was great really great i think i was doing an ibsen at the time um going and which was great but also going god i want to work with this guy and then because he's a big he's big into music and um like my musical background is like jangly indie sad songs <laughs> for the most part, but also like this rich history with my dad of playing a lot of soul and reggae and 
Um, my dad was in, you know, um, two-tone bands and soul bands and, mm. and you know, that, that music is the soundtrack of, like, my first memories. So that's in there as well. And so, and then, anyway, cut long story short, I was playing the piano in a room. Uh, that was one of the most amazing things about Rada. There was a piano in every room and I could sneak off whenever I was having a shit day and just go and bang on a piano for an hour. And that was great. Anyway, he heard me banging on a piano and he went, do you want to write a musical? And I just went, yeah. <laughs> and then we, and we did. And that, and that, that started a relationship where we wrote together for years um, and made theatre together. And I, I just think he's, I think he's brilliant. I think he's he's a proper teacher. He he nurtures people and gives them space and empowers them. And and the work he's doing with young people at the moment is amazing. Alongside being an actor and being a director, and he's started directing films. I can't speak highly enough of him. That's embarrassing, isn't it? But he's great. No, I think I know. I don't think it's embarrassing at all. I think I hope he's. he's I hope he's deeply embarrassed. I don't think he should be. I think he should be chuffed to bits. And I think we need to put these people on a pedestal and give yeah. them a shout out because, uh, not just in drama school, but in any sort of life, when someone comes into your life, yeah, with a completely different energy to the environment that you're in takes the rule book, just rips it up in your face and goes, you know what we're going to do? We're going to do this. It's yeah. going to be fucking great. And I'm going to scare you a little bit. Yeah. And I'm going to push you. I'm going to push everything yeah. that you ever thought was was the correct path to go down and we're going to turn right. Yeah. And you've always thought it's going to be left, but no, we're going right and we're going up the ladder and then we're going to jump off this building and it's going to be amazing. Yeah. And that's him. It really is. And he's like, he's always got so many things on the, on the go and so many little side hustles going on making theater and making stuff. But you talk to, you know, I, I I think he's touched the lives of so many people in this industry and helped carve, gave, given them the space to uh, learn and become artists who maybe wouldn't have had the opportunity to do that. Mm were it not for for him and i think he's uh i think he's great he's really so when you're when your year were being told that you were the future of british theater <laughs> yeah. was uh, did you have in mind a certain path that you wanted to walk down was it that you wanted to do theater yeah because you know it, it was was it definitely yeah mm. it was it was never we weren't taught. We weren't taught anything about screen. We did one well, TV I mean, you, project with a camcorder. You get like an is it like an hour or so or a yeah. two hour lesson? But I'm kind of I'm grateful. Just, I, uh, I and now it's changed. now it's different. But uh, mm. I don't know. Like I don't know. I just had it's, uh, cla- it's a it's a classical training. Yeah, it's a classical. It, it was. It, it yeah. is, and it was, and it was. You know, I don't know where we would have had the time to do it doing all the period dance we were doing um which is vitally vitally important to your career right flamenco, now the, all the flamenco dancing i did um <laughs> uh 
yeah, I never, I, I didn't really think about, I didn't, I didn't really think about, it was great. I didn't really think about screen stuff. Is this true? It just, it seemed like another world. Like, right. how do you get on, how would you even begin to be in a film? Or how would you even get on TV? And there was a couple of people in my year who left to go and like do big film straight away and it was like wow that's amazing it's amazing it seems like a kind of another just another another world like it doesn't i don't know i think because i've grown up in the theater i've grown up I've grown up in the theater theater and and that, that was where i was most at home you know so I just, just, the smell of the curtains but also you've had the seat. that's three years of theater theater mm. Theatre, yeah. theatre. Yeah. And I was, of course. Uh, and I was very excited about, like, you know, some people lost the love for it. And, you know, I think that can, it can do that, you know. Some people really lost the love for it. And, and I don't know, like, a, yeah. Is, is everybody from your year still working or attempting to work or have they fallen by the wayside i don't know like i look at it in a different like everyone has to diversify at some point do you know what i mean like we all have to do other things and i think there was such a pressure to be like all that talk i I don't know i remember all that talk went from from being that age of like well yeah i mean half the people from from that year this you know they gave up and I think that's real. I think that's a really bad way of looking. At- Obviously, it's because you're ambitious as a young actor, and you're like, "Well, that 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 won't happen to me." Um, but I, I I see it like I think a lot of I people are I- a lot happier. <laughs> not yeah, doing but it. I think you know I think I mean? by saying that ultimately is dismissive, and yeah, you go, well, yeah, they may have stopped. They haven't given up. They haven't failed. They've decided to go, do you know what? At the end of the day, I know a fair few people have gone, it's just not making me happy. Yeah. And and these are some people that didn't have too many problems getting jobs. Mm. But they were going, I'm just not, I'm not me. I'm not the happiest, yeah. content version of me by doing this and yeah. trying to walk down this path. I don't want to. So it's, I, I think it's, I think it's a smart move for some yeah. people to, to, yeah. to make that decision. Yeah, absolutely. You kind of kind of go, well, I've invested all this time and energy into it. Like, it I think you learn so much by doing it. And like, we're all going to do loads of things. <sighs> yeah. But the oh. thing is, that's like saying, Oh, I mean, a really, kind of awful and slightly abusive relationship. <laughs> yeah. But, be- but yeah. because, I, because I've been in it for so long, I might as well... I may as well just stay. I may as well just stay and be unhappy. Yeah. And no, you're be, right. um, you know... Yeah. Yeah. It's, it, it's like... Oh, I this isn't like a woe is me. I just think at all. I think many people have got it much harder. Oh, absolutely. And in other industries, it is hard. But there's, there's a unique level of having to put yourself out there to then be rejected in this industry which is is difficult to quite 
get your head around at times. How how does your heart deal with it and your mind with the rejection? Um, I don't know. Well, look, I was I was just talking to somebody the other day about. Okay, look, it's never about me this podcast, but I will have to sort of say right. this because it's in keeping and we're having this conversation. Um, I felt that I was being slightly dicked around for a, for a, a certain job. Right. Um, a while ago. And in the end, it just went... Anyway, the job didn't happen. And I was thinking about... Because I do talk about rejection when I talk about actors. Inevitably, it comes up. And I was thinking about it on the day that this happened. And what I did, I just... I just sat with it. I, I, right. wrote, I was fortunate enough that I could write the day off. I said, I'm just going to write the day off. Yeah. And any plans that I had for this day, I'm just not going to do them. I wasn't going to be, I wasn't letting anybody down. I didn't have to do anything. I had to, I knew that I had to do the school pickup mm. at 4.30. And that was the only thing that I had to do. And then I had to make dinner for my son and we had to maybe do some homework. So those are the only things on the agenda. So because I thought, I'm going to be in quite a bad mood now. So I just have to f- process this. And I'm just not going to do anything. So I just wrote the day off. Yeah. And it really fucking helped. Yeah. And and I had a, I had moments where, you know, I could feel the cloud come over me. I just thought, I'm just going to deal with it. I'm not going to push it away. I'm just going to let it in. And yeah. Then go. And, I, and then the next day I was totally fine. And I went to the gym and I had a really productive day. But I just mm. thought, I'm just going to sack this day off um, I don't, that's really I don't good know. it's about that's about knowing what you need isn't it and allowing yourself to 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 allowing yourself the space to to give yourself what you need you know a lot of the time a lot of the time we don't do that i feel i i feel fortunate to well firstly my wife's just great <laughs> She's really great. And she just has this way of 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 making things better actually. And uh and I feel lucky that we're able to she's an actor as well. I just feel lucky that we're able to go through this together. And I feel very supported by her. I feel very lucky to, you know, to have her. Um because it would be, it would just be very, it would be very different, and I find it much harder without that, without that relationship. So that's one thing, and I think we can have both of us, but um, just been doing a lot. I think what I did before was just go, 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 go on to the next, on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. I don't think about it. Get rejection. Just keep going, keep going. Probably you know, partying too much as well and, you know, going, you know, drinking a lot and, 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 you know, doing that twenties, thirties thing that you, that you do. And that, I, that, that was great. And I think that got me through just by being a bit relentless and a bit like not letting it, like being, allowing the, the bad times to affect me, but then just kind of just keep going and just not really, yeah. And I don't. It's not that I don't have the same energy anymore. It's just that I don't think that's sustain, don't think that's sustainable. And no, it isn't because there's going to be there's going to be burnout. And also, yeah. 
I don't know if bitterness would come from that, but certainly I think bitterness is in the post at some point. Mm. And I've seen that and I've heard it. And it's really ugly. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, also, I mean, back to my folks, they're just so brilliantly optimistic and positive and encouraging that I always felt like I, I feel like I've, that's my basis. That's my base. Um, and I feel really lucky that they kind of gave that to me because I, I, I do get down and I do have difficult times. I do deal with things, you know, in a, in a, in an unhealthy way or have done more in the past, but I've always kind of, I don't know, like we all do. I, I think, feel, yeah, I, I feel grateful to have had the, the, the base that I, that I started from. And so the past few years have been, I mean, the pandemic was the pandemic, wasn't it? And that threw up a load of, you know, of whatever. And, you know, we all go through, we all go through stuff, but for whatever reason, uh, I did, I started therapy a while ago <laughs> and it's been, I just think it's, I think it's great. I'm not doing it at the moment actually, but I'm planning on going back, but I've done a few stints of it for sometimes for specific things, sometimes just because I don't, you know, for whatever. Yeah. But it, it's really, I think uh, it's really it, important. Yeah. And it made me, I think I wanted to take responsibility for myself and take responsibility, just take responsibility. In, uh, in, for, what, in what way? For, like, kind of doing that, like, oh, okay, I'm chugging on, I'm chugging on, I'm chugging on, I'm chugging on, I'm chugging on. It's kind of just, I just don't think I processed a lot of things. Because you've been powering through? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and... Like, always falling, like, things ending up working out, you know, and that's fine. Mm. But I don't know, I kind of, is this, is this, is responsibility the right word? I just think, I I just felt like I was living, like a, a, behind my own face <laughs> like does this does that make sense like my yeah my eyes were like six inches in front of where or or i was a step back from myself and i wasn't quite actually engaged with the world properly or myself and i think uh i did a lot of work on just trying to feel comfortable and feel do you feel that you weren't all together in your own skin for the best yeah. part of the time? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And like on and off, but like it's that thing when you just slow down and go, okay, I'm getting a bit older. I'm not feeling that energy anymore in the same way. Mm. Mm. Um, and for, you know, for whatever reason, for things that life throws up at you as well. Like I think because I hadn't, taking time to process anything of my self to actually start doing that was quite a big step. And now because of that work, 
And because of the ongoing work, which I'm sometimes uh, really committed to and sometimes really not, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, uh, but I'm finding things like the dealing with the rejection or dealing with the the that thing a little bit easier among a lot of other benefits to my to my life do you think it's taught you a value to stop mm. which i i have learned certainly over the the past few years how important it is because you know you you're of a certain age, or especially when you're in your twenties, and you're talking about that, just go, 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 and the rejection comes, and you throw it away, and you move on to the next, and it's like, or you say yes to a job, yes to a job, yes to a job, yes to anything. No, no, no. Just take time and step back and stop. Yeah. And that's hard. Like it's it's hard to do. Oh, that. look, I, I ain't saying it's easy. I'm just saying probably it's something that comes with time and age. Yeah. Yeah. And we have to just look after ourselves, all of us, you know. Yeah. So you are you better at looking after yourself now? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, mate, I do so much yoga. I do on and off serious amounts of meditation. It's great. <laughs> you love it. But yeah, yeah. Yeah, and actually, I found, and this happened a while ago. I found running years ago, and mm. being the kind of least sporty person um, ever. Well, I think I might take uh, the gold medal prize for least sportiest person ever, but I'm glad to share the podium with Thank you. Thank you very much. <laughs> Turned up to my school sports day with a chessboard. I thought it was very cool. Oh. <sighs> Guys, just going to do some intellectual sport here. And you were bullied what? by... What? <laughs> um, yeah, good. Um, yeah, but I found running, and um, that's like... I do it now less as a kind of keep fit thing, more as a kind of meditation thing. I just love it. It's time. It's time for yourself. I'm. I'm starting back running in February. I find it. Mm. Uh, it's just a bit too dark and cold at the moment. Sure. Do you sure. know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, like, I, I inevitably hurt myself as well when I'm doing these things. So, like, I mess my knee up, and I went for a run two days ago and pulled my neck out. And today, I can move it around. You know, I'm really, I'm quite haphazard, but I'll really go for it. <laughs> And I really, yeah. when it goes well, I really love it. I really just love being free in nature and running past trees and birds. <laughs> I fucking love it. <laughs> Arthur, I've absolutely loved talking to you. And there's so much more that I we know, could do. So. Another, there's loads more. So maybe what we'll have to do, if you enjoyed it as much as I did, we'll have to... Um, meet up uh, in person later in the year and we'll yeah, just lovely. sort of do it we'll, we'll things do it I re- things I regretted saying there we go <laughs> <laughs> um, Arthur Darvel you've been brilliant thanks Thank for you. being so gracious and lovely oh, my friend it's been an absolute pleasure I'm glad we sorted this
You take care. Same. And you. Cheers, man. And another episode is done. What did I tell you? I mean, yeah, I think I'd be interested to see if that's shot straight into one of your top episodes of all time. It's certainly in mine. What a joy. What a lovely, lovely man. Um, it was a pleasure having him on. Um, and our time just zipped along. It was fantastic. Um, so no doubt later on in the year we will sit down in the same room and have another natter. Um, if you are a Patreon subscriber, there is extra questions, extra bits that didn't make the podcast because I would record a little bit at the beginning. It was for Patreon subscribers only. So you'll get those if you support us on um, whatever tier, I think. Uh, and thanks for all the messages on Patreon. We've been doing little uh, lens videos just to say hello and keep you up to date about what's going on. Um, and that's been, yeah, been Welcome with open arms. Uh, speaking of Patreon, if you want to support us in whatever way or for however long, um, go to patreon.com forward slash the two shot podcast and all the details are over there and uh, whatever you can give for the free podcast that you get every week uh, and the hard work that myself and Griff put into it. Um, it's really not as straightforward as what you would think because um, I do all the booking myself griff does all the editing make it sound lovely and shiny and sparkly and gorgeous um so yeah anything you can do is great but you know what if you can't that's okay too um what was i going to tell you oh speaking of patreon next week i'm going to do a shout out to all our new patreon subscribers just to say thank you and say hello live on the podcast so listen out for your name there because we do appreciate what you do thank you very very much um just jumping on from last week's questions um that you've been submitting through uh twitter because you occasionally do sort of ask questions and i think it's worthwhile that i get around to answering and it's again it's about live shows um somebody else was asking uh, last week. Now, as you'll have seen, um, certain podcasts, live shows who've been doing tours have had to be pulled, certain bands, certain gigs have had to shift because it's just not, it's, we're just not there yet. So I think what we need to do is just dig deep and hold on tight and wait till it gets, wait till it gets a little bit better. Yeah, a bit safer. And then, um, we'll, we'll do it. We'll definitely do it this year. It's just a question of when. So for everybody asking, hold on tight, and we will be seeing you live in the flesh very soon-ish, soon-ish. Right. Okay, I am going to go and leave you. Thank you once again for downloading and subscribing to this brilliant episode with Arthur. And do you know what? Why not just rewind it rewind it like it's a tape just just slide and go listen to it again it's a great chat um send me a message on twitter instagram facebook let me know what you thought if it's jumped into one of your top episodes uh of the last nine series in the last five years wow 
Um, and yeah, go tell your friends. And I'm going to go. Okay. Look after yourself until next week. I've been Craig Parkinson. He's been producer Griff. And this has been the Two Shot Podcast. You take care. Cheers. The Two Shot Podcast is presented by me, Craig Parkinson, recorded and produced by Thomas Griffin for Splicing Block. Our music, our brilliant music, is courtesy of Then Thickens. Cheers. The first taste of rare bourbon you finally got your hands on. That's nice. At Caskers.com, we make this experience easy. Caskers is a one-stop spirit curator with an impressive selection of exclusive sought-after rare and household names in the realm of premium spirits and champagne. Discover the top flavors of the year now by going to Caskers.com and using code WELCOME10 for $10 off your first purchase. Get $10 off your first purchase with code WELCOME10 at Caskers.com.